Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Monday, the 25th of October. There's been a dramatic development in the mysterious disappearance of Cleo Smith. The four-year-old vanished a week ago at a remote campsite in Western Australia. Detectives are now searching for a car that was spotted around 3am on the morning she disappeared, leaving a campsite nearby. Officers are searching through hours of CCTV and dash cam footage as they continue their investigations. Police Commissioner Chris Dawson says someone knows what happened. What we all, of course, all want is to be able to locate Cleo. Uh, it's a tragic situation, but we're leaving no stone unturned, uh, and I thank the government for the million-dollar uh, reward to assist in anyone, and someone does know something about this, and we uh, want them to come forward. Overnight, a twilight vigil was held for the four-year-old in Carnarvon. Staying in WA and security around the Premier has now been increased after his personal address and mobile phone number were made public. It's understood Mark McGowan has been on the receiving end of a number of threats after his government's decision to mandate vaccines for 75% of the workforce. Australia will make a formal pledge to cut emissions to net zero by 2050 after the Nationals agreed to back the deal after a tense meeting overnight. It will allow the federal government to create policy for cleaner fuels and more renewable energy, but the Nationals have refused to reveal the conditions attached to the agreement. Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce says the party's commitment will be made once it sees Cabinet's final position. Obviously that's dependent upon what we see in the Cabinet submission reflecting uh, the conversations and the agreements between myself and the Prime Minister. Victoria's roadmap to more freedoms has been fast-tracked with the Premier announcing more restrictions will ease this Friday as the state hits the 80% vaccination target earlier than expected. Statewide travel will resume, gyms and entertainment venues can reopen along with childcare centres and there'll be increased density limits at hospitality venues. Here is Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews. It's as close to normal as any part of our nation and any part of the world can be. And it is all a credit to the millions and millions of Victorians who've been through so much and have yet again done what we asked of them. Yesterday, Victoria recorded 11 COVID deaths and 1,935 new infections. To New South Wales now, the majority of students will return to -to face-to-face learning in classrooms this morning. Special tutoring programs will be organised for students who've fallen behind, with many children across Greater Sydney learning from home for the past five months. Here is New South Wales Education Minister Sarah Mitchell. We're excited to welcome our students back. We've got great COVID-safe measures in place to do so safely and I think everybody's very excited to see our students all back at school. Meantime, the crisis in regional New South Wales hospitals is once again in the spotlight, with new reports showing understaffing and red tape are seeing key hospitals run without a single doctor in the building. News Corp is reporting nine hospitals in western New South Wales were open on weekends without a doctor present, while in the Hunter region, six hospitals were forced to rely on telehealth remote treatments instead of having doctors on site. 
Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. To Victoria firstly, and authorities are concerned about a new COVID outbreak in a Melbourne hotel which is being run by federal authorities to house asylum seekers and refugees. At least 20 people have tested positive so far. Our reporter James Lake has the details from Melbourne. Utash, the Australian Border Force claims all refugees and asylum seekers currently being held have been offered COVID shots since the start of August. To date, though, only 55% have been fully vaccinated. One refugee stuck at the Park Hotel in Melbourne says people started getting sick more than two weeks ago, but they were only tested last week. The allegations go further, saying that detainees were being offered pain relief instead of COVID tests. A protest is now planned outside the hotel today to demand the closure of so-called refugee detention centre death traps. To Queensland, and despite a Super Saturday vaccination weekend, the state is still struggling to hit key targets. More than 74% of eligible Queenslanders have had their first vaccine dose, with more than 60% now double vaccinated. Our reporter David Shiraz reports from Brisbane. Good morning, Tash. That's right. The Queensland government is making a big push to get us all vaccinated, but its pop-up vax hubs at the weekend didn't deliver enough doses. A little over 11,000 first doses were delivered on Saturday, well behind the 30,000 needed every day to hit our 80% target by December. Now, the states are opening their international borders once they hit 90% double doses, with the Sunshine State not expected to reach that target until January next year. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this Monday morning by Peter Switzer from the switzerreport.com.au. Good morning, Peter. There's been so much speculation around whether interest rates will increase or not before 2024. The Reserve Bank says no, but leading economists say yes. Yes, and it's not just economists from Westpac and ANZ. The money market is also bidding on an earlier than expected interest rate rise with bond yields, which are a proxy for interest rates, already rising. Meanwhile, other bond experts are tipping the banks will raise interest rates late next year or early 2023 ahead of the Reserve Bank. And Peter, this is a very interesting ongoing debate. Many Australian businesses want their staff back in the office ASAP, but they have to show in some circumstances proof of vaccination. That's right. For over a year, big corporates in particular were reluctant to force their staff to be vaccinated. But the SMH says bosses have been doing Zoom calls asking staff to show their vaccination certificates. In a survey of 60 big firms, 46 said proof of a double jab was a requirement to work at the office. Those who want to insist on working from home might have to read their employment contracts again to see if it allows it. I bet for most of us it won't. It's a very difficult dilemma though for many businesses, Peter, trying to weigh up will they be sued for discrimination or will they be sued for not providing a safe workplace if someone does catch COVID in the workplace? That's right. There will be a number of court cases before laws are changed. But at this point in time, I think the employers have the upper hand. And Peter, talking about returning to the office, big stock market listed companies were planning to turn their AGMs into online virtual events. But I love this. Shareholders have said no. No, that's right. The pandemic gave rise to the online AGM. But now our biggest companies are dumping virtual annual meetings forever after facing a backlash from shareholders. Companies including Qantas, Brambles and Bendigo Adelaide Bank have torn up proposed amendments to their constitutions to allow a virtual AGM. Shareholders want to eyeball directors of big companies behaving badly. Thanks, Peter. Cheers. <laughs> 
Time for Sport Day with Brett Thomas and Brett. Happy Monday. Now the T20 World Cup is underway and the Aussies got off to a winning start. Yes, they did. They've still got some tough decisions to make at selection ahead of their next match. So we beat South Africa in a low-scoring game, and we'll be seeing a few of those at this tournament in the Middle East, the way the wicket is playing at the moment. Now, the most surprising decision was leaving out Ashton Agar, not going for two specialist uh, spinners. He'll be in the mix for the next game. Kane Richardson was left out as well, despite being described as our best death bowler by uh, Justin Langer, the coach. But he will be sticking with uh, Aaron Finch and David Warner, despite... Lukewarm showings against the Proteas. Warner was out for 14. Finch, a duck. There are some really good signs from Davey Warner. He, he pulled Rabada for four. He played a beautiful cover drive. He played a great cut shot. And Finchy, look, Finchy's captaincy was brilliant. So Friday night we play Sri Lanka. They beat uh, Bangladesh in a heated match uh, last night. Might be some fines and maybe suspensions coming out of that. Pakistan got its tournament off to a winning start against India. In the WBBL yesterday, the Scorchers uh, got a big win over the Thunder. Sophie Devine and Beth Mooney starring with the bat in that match there, Tash. And bred a big result in the English Premier League this morning for Liverpool against one of its oldest rivals. Yes, Manchester United uh, under a lot of pressure at the moment and especially their manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, you do not see these sort of results at uh, Old Trafford often. 5-0 they lost to Liverpool this morning. Mo Salah was on fire. Shots was one way, Salah's the other. He's on an Old Trafford hat-trick here, Mo Salah. On Optus Sport there, he converted that hat-trick elsewhere. West Ham edged Tottenham 1-0, while Leicester beat Brentford 2-1 this morning, Tash. And one of our most decorated athletes, Brett, has announced her retirement. Yes, Danny Stevens went to four Olympic Games. She burst onto the scene 12 years ago. She was our youngest ever discus world champion. She won two golds at the Com Games. Her best finish at the Olympics was fourth in Rio in 2016. Missed out on bronze by 44 centimetres. And she's also one of only nine athletes to have world titles at youth, junior and senior level. She pushed hard to get to Tokyo. Four Olympics is a great achievement, and especially given um, that uh, Tokyo Games was postponed as well. So, um, yeah, certainly one of uh, our greatest uh, athletes that we've produced in, in the last decade or so. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks, Tash. And a devastating twist in a fatal shooting on a movie set in the US. There are reports actor Alec Baldwin could now face manslaughter charges after firing a prop gun on a set that killed the film's director of photography, 42-year-old Helena Hutchins, and injuring the director. Police investigators are trying to piece together exactly what happened in the lead-up to the accident. The gun was not supposed to have live ammunition. Two candlelit vigils have also been held over the weekend, paying tribute to the 40 two-year-old, while the American Film Institute has announced a scholarship fund for female cinematographers in her honour. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day. Stay safe and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.